Welcome to the Capital Success Podcast, learning from the best, the brightest, and the most successful people in Sacramento. I'm your host, Lawrence Faulkner, and joining me today is Eric Rebello, CEO of a digital marketing company in his own namesake. Welcome to the show. How's it going, Lawrence? It's going well, and hey, digital marketing is all the rage these days, new media, Instagram, podcasts, websites, all that stuff, um, and you're, you're known as the consultant CMO, at least as you would like to call it. How did you get that nickname? So what I realized is when I was working with a lot of clients, the same thing that they were telling me over and over again was they were working with people that honestly just didn't care about their success or their results. And they just kind of were doing a cookie cutter approach. And they felt like it was too outsourced, like the person they were working with was too distanced from their company. Mm -hmm. So when I was like, you know, determining like what branding I wanted to have and everything, I really thought about myself as a consultant chief marketing officer, like a third party CMO that comes in, strategizes, look at it, like, you know, their whole approach that they're doing and almost be like an employee, but like just outside their organization. So that's kind of why I came up with that name. And uh, I think it really fits what I do because I sit down for a long time figuring out pretty much everything marketing related that these companies are doing and even stuff when they're doing the stuff that I don't handle, like more like paper marketing and like brochures. I even help them with that if I can, even though that's not my services, I only stick to digital. Mm. But I think a lot of my clients like that approach that I'm extremely close with their organization when I'm thinking about what I'm going to do for them and like how to get them the results. Even if I like, even if paper marketing is the best choice for them, which most of the time it's not because digital is like the new thing. Um, I'll still tell them, I'll be like, you know what you should do, uh, you know, send out postcards and do Facebook ads. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because most digital agencies would be like, oh no, like don't do the postcards. But if I ask them, how are the postcards working? And they're like, they're working amazing. I'm like, keep doing that. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why would I, why would I say don't do something that works? So that's kind of why I got the name. And you're, you're f firmly rooted here in Sacramento. For sure. 916 all day. I've been here since I was uh, five years old. Um, I was originally born in like San Jose area, but I okay. love this. I love this area. It's amazing. Sacramento is definitely like the next place where it's going to be like everything's going to happen here because a bunch of people are coming from the Bay Area. It's the capital. I literally think Sacramento is like next up when it comes to like cities being amazing. It's on the come up. Um, so a company reaches out to you and they're, let's just say they, they're past the paper stuff. They want to go digital. What, what does that entail? So I, uh, like I was saying before, I do like a, a long sit down with them to figure out what's working and what's not. Gotcha. If the paper is working, I'll tell them to keep doing it, but I tell them they have to allocate at least a certain budget to their digital to try it out first. Now, most companies like I've worked with somewhere between, I can't like lost count at this point, somewhere between like 16 and 19 different verticals or industries. And the same principles that I've used for all of them or for each one of them have like worked in all the other ones. So a lot of digital marketing agencies like niche down, which is not a bad idea. It's a replicatable process. It's scalable. You know exactly what to do for each client. I didn't want to do that just because I felt like I didn't want to put myself in a box. Um, so then I just started working with all these different verticals and using the same principles. And I was like, oh, wow, like this is pretty simple. Like the same thing that works for a lawyer works for an environmental company if you know how to do it right. Oh, okay. So like, yeah, they reach out to me. I sit down with them. I figure out what platforms and 
I guess, branding and all that type of stuff we need to do for like their target market. And like, <laughs> it's kind of funny. The first meeting with them is basically just like an, I'm interviewing them. <laughs> like I ask them just like a hundred questions about every little detail. Cause I'm really like detail oriented. I like getting into like the nitty gritty. And then once I figure that out, then I'm like, okay, I have a proper solution for you and I'm going to lay it out. I try to explain it in the most simplest terms just because not all CEOs or business owners are marketing experts. So I try to explain it super simply. And then I go with the solution of, I'm either going to do it for you. I'm going to help train your team. Um, or maybe like, uh, I'm working on like a video program, like in case, like they don't want me to do the, the first two options, they can just watch like a video course. Okay. So like, it depends that, that one would probably be more for like a independent business owner, like a small, like mom and pop shop that maybe can't afford a monthly marketing person. Mm. Um, but I want to have all the options available depending on what size they are. That's great. So you're, you're available monthly or just however long it takes. Mm -hmm. Um, I was reading some of your stuff on your website. You have some articles linked to you. Uh, you talk about disrupting the marketplace and focusing on the now, the future, and growth rather than following tradition. Can you give me more of what that means? Yeah. So what I've seen is uh, <laughs> we're going to get a little bit controversial here. So I hope everybody's ready. Oh, um, we, we love controversy. Absolutely. Let's do it. So uh, college, what I've noticed is I've talked to a lot of different uh, recent college graduates, not people mm -hmm. that have been out of college and have experience at like a bigger marketing agency. Obviously they have the experience and they know what's going on, but people that are fresh out of college, it's again, not every college, I'm sure like Harvard or some like, you know, Ivy league school like that teaches all like the new stuff, but a lot of colleges are so behind, like at least maybe like minimum, like four or five years behind. Like you even look at the textbooks and they're like older than that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, when I say disrupting, it's like all of the people in the industry that are getting like business degrees, marketing degrees, communication degrees, I feel like they're getting left behind and then they are thrown into these agencies and they have no idea what's going on, but they do learn on the job. They do you know, a great job and everything, but it's just fresh out of college. They don't know what they're supposed to know, I've found. Um, because I'll start asking them questions because you know I wanna get along with them and like make friends. And then when I start talking about various things I'm doing for my clients or different strategies we're using, they're like, what? I didn't even know you could do that. Like, you know, they, they're just not aware. So when I'm disrupting is basically those, I, you know, or like, uh, old ways of doing things. But then also I've noticed in the digital space that people are still using these like traditional principles of like, like whenever you see an ad on Facebook and it's trying to sell you right away, like you've never seen the brand before. You don't even know who they are. You need you know, like, you, you don't recognize them. And then they're just like, buy our stuff. It's like, that's not how you market in 2019. Like people okay, need to see you. People need to see you. Uh, I forget the exact number. <laughs> I probably should know this, but it's like six to 10 times before they will make a buying decision. Like they, oh. they, they need that law of familiarity. So like when you're getting like, like in the old days, it would be the postcard. You get the postcard in the mail. You read the postcard of like whatever it is. And then it's like, okay, it has all the information on there. Maybe I'll call them and make a decision right there. Now, because people have so many options and they have just abundance of everything, like they can literally order food to their door from like DoorDash. It's just yeah. like people, people have the leverage and like control now or the consumer does. So they need to see you like six to 10 times because they need to build that trust and rapport with a brand right. uh, before they make the buying decision. So, um, a lot of business owners hate that because they want to sell people right away and get the money now. And it's like, 
Well, you have to understand that doesn't it doesn't work like that anymore. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like you're not trying to be a car like a used car salesman anymore. You're trying to be the branding person that's there for them as a solution when they need help, and then they're going to trust you even if you haven't been around as long. Like let's say a company's only been around for two years, but they make YouTube content about their expertise and exactly how to help the client and give them solutions for free on YouTube every single day versus the guy that just calls them like cold calls them out of nowhere. And is just like, Hey, want to buy some stuff? It's like, who are they going to go with the person yeah. they trust? And those YouTube videos or content is selling them along the way. So by the time that person calls you, because that's how branding works, <laughs> they'll come to you most of the time. Um, they're already sold. Like that, that's what happens to me is like, I have these YouTube videos and the reason why I make them is I enjoy making them and helping people. But then also it's for business opportunities where they'll either call me cause they see the link in the description. They go to my website or I will send them a YouTube video. Someone that I don't even know. I will just send them a YouTube video and be like, Hey, I thought this could help you. And then they're like, wow, that information, like that video was like, so um, educational. The only thing is, is like, first of all, I don't have the time to do that. <laughs> even though the video was really good. I still don't know what's going on because I'm not like, I'd probably have to watch the video like 20 more times to really figure it out, like how to run a Facebook ad properly. And then, um, or they just don't want to, <laughs> they're like, I'd rather just hand it off to someone else. Cause I don't want to spend, you know, two to three years, like figuring out all the ins and outs of everything. Yeah. So then by the time they watch the video, they're already sold. I get on the phone with them and I'm like, Hey, so like, you know, what pattern, I don't do packages, but like what type of uh, solutions are you looking for? And they're pretty much already sold. So it's just like, that's that's new marketing, is just putting all the information out there at people's convenience and letting them make the decision and just being the best. That's also the other, like the other thing I've noticed is companies just wanna be like mediocre or average and kind of just do the bare minimum. And then they just expect like great results. I'm like, no, you need to have like an amazing advertisement, an amazing offer, amazing everything. You need to have the right budget or like none of it'll work. Yeah. So like, that's kind of all what I'm talking about when I talk about like disrupting is like, just people aren't, <laughs> people aren't you, like doing the right steps when it comes to marketing and branding, even though they may be on digital, they're still not doing it properly because they have the mindset of like old traditional marketing, but they're trying to, they're trying to do postcard marketing on Facebook, basically just going for the sale right away. So, right. Yeah. I mean, you sense? touched on yeah. a few things like content is king. Obviously I can't tell you how many Companies need a video done, they need a podcast done, they have a great Instagram page. Um, so how would you weigh uh, like paying for a digital advertisement versus organic growth? So it depends on the platform. Uh, I would say like, you know, the, depending on the size of your business, if your business is like huge, right? And like you have a lot of money to spend on marketing, I would allocate it towards like everything just to see what works. Um, the five platforms I really focus on are uh, Google, like Google search, making sure you're high up there, uh, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, basically just like those five, uh, Twitter's kind of like maybe making a comeback. I'm not really sure. Um, it's, that's more for like, if you have like an e-commerce business, like you're not like, you know, I don't know. Twitter's kind of like old and then yeah. Snapchat's kind of dead. Pinterest is good. If you're uh, targeting like middle-aged women or like, or like college girls, I've seen a lot of college girls have Pinterest as well. So, but that's basically like the demographic for that platform. But those five that I mentioned earlier are the ones. Um, and what I would do is post organic content every day if you can, and then run digital advertisements behind it. So um, if you go to my YouTube channel, I have a video and I forget the name of it. Like it's like basically the ultimate content or organic content plus paid advertising strategy, which is basically um, like taking the organic content and like, you know, posting it regularly, but then the stuff that works the best, put some paid ads behind it. 
because you know that that got the most like reach and people liked it the most because it had the most views or had the most comments or likes. So when you put paid advertising behind it, you know, it's going to actually like get you sales. Yeah. And, uh, you also talked about like the offense ideology. Does that tie into what you were just talking about too? Kind of does. So, uh, offense is kind of like a whole different, like, uh, yeah, it's, it, it is an ideology and I, think it kind of goes into everything with like marketing and sales and but like the word offense has a kind of interesting connotation where it sounds very aggressive and pushy and it's not mm -hmm. offense is basically just consistently um, going after something over and over again and doing it in a way um, that is comfortable for people so like I think I forget who it was but like maybe it was Bruce Lee that talked about how when water hits a rock over and over again and wears the rock down. That's kind of what offense is about is it's not like trying to just destroy the rock immediately. It's going after it over and over and over again until it finally just like goes, you know, uh, tears the rock down, I guess. But that's kind of how your marketing should be because someone needs to see you six to 10 times. It's kind of like, okay, by the 10th time, they're like, I'm very familiar with this brand. They've given me so much value. I need to reciprocate. Like you're almost like in a way, again, probably not the best way to say it, but you're guilting people into buying from you because you're giving so much free value that you now have the leverage and you have like control of the situation, the buying process. So then they're going to be like, okay, like this person has literally sent me 10 videos in ads directly to my face about how to properly sell my home. Like if they're like a realtor yeah. or something like that. I should probably work with them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like they just feel obligated to because you've given so much and they haven't reciprocated that they, they just need to like, you know, like do that or whatever to make themselves feel better in a way. Yeah. I was going to say how much also you talk about the, the posting of a video six to 10 times before somebody commits, but how much of it too is making the content look normal? You know what I mean? True. As opposed to just, you know, here's an ad. Exactly. You don't want to make your ads look like ads. So I'm glad you actually brought that up. Um, so they've done tests and they've done like professional videos versus like unprofessional videos where it's just like on like your iPhone or something. And they've noticed that like, well, obviously the professional videos cater to a certain crowd, maybe like corporate. Corporate doesn't necessarily like, you know, like if you're on LinkedIn, you probably want to make like pretty high quality videos because you're dealing yeah. with the CEO of like Chevron or something and he <laughs> wants to make sure you're legit. So he doesn't want to see an iPhone video probably. Um, but if you're like, <laughs> I've seen him though. I've seen him. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. On LinkedIn. There but. you go. So like, you know I mean? Like it's, it still works. I guess it's still relatable. Um, but like maybe, maybe what I'm thinking about is like if a board of directors is sitting in a room. Like they're going to want probably the professional video because they're yeah. like, okay, this is probably a bigger business. This is who we should work with. But if it's like the average consumer or just more like B2C, you definitely want to do just like the most raw, authentic videos you possibly can. And like sometimes I even go as far to tell my clients to purposely mess up in their videos like to like stutter a little bit or something like that just yeah, so say, it makes um, it make it a little more relatable exactly because then the person watches the video and they're like this is a real person that i can actually like buy from they're not trying to like sell me right away um so yeah i, I think that that's the better way to do it is just be like raw and authentic in all your videos and not be so like staged and a lot of business owners and people are obviously like scared in front of the camera which i get it's nerve-wracking but what you should do is actually a tip that i give all my clients go on your iphone and record a hundred videos like literally is like a hundred. And then when you get to a hundred, like don't post any of them, just have them on your phone and then watch all of them and like think about, okay, I like the way I said this, or like, I like this one. And one of them might even turn out pretty good. I and mean, you can post that one. But the thing is, is now you have a hundred videos of practice of you on camera. 
by 100, you're going to be pretty good. So on 101, you yeah. can probably record the Getting actual the video in. and then put it out there. But it's really funny how people that are like, oh, I'm scared in front of the camera. Like, I don't want to make ads. I'm like, you realize you can record and not upload it, right? Like, it's not like required <laughs> to yeah. upload it. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's the advice I give to people for that. But, um, yeah, raw, authentic, relatable ads are, are, you know, content is way better than like professional stuff that I've seen. And you've been doing this for close to a decade uh, but you used to work for a company, and now you've taken that entrepreneurship uh, step. What what initially made you want to make that leap over? So kind of a funny story. Um, I used to work at a cell phone store as a manager, and uh, I was there for a couple of years. And um, that's when I actually learned a lot about marketing and sales, because running your own store, you kind of have to know about that stuff. So I got thrown in there. I was pretty young. I'm 23 right now. So, oh, nice. Yeah, I don't know if you know. Like A lot of people think I'm older for some reason, um, but I'm 23. Um, but like when I was at the store, I learned so much about sales and just communication and how people work and like just studying the psychology um, and sociology like of people that um, I got really good at it. And then after a while, um, I actually got a new manager that I was working with and um, he... I was told by a lot of people, even upper management, that he wasn't necessarily the right fit for the position, but they had to keep him there because they didn't have anybody else. So he was rubbing a lot of people the wrong way, including me. Um, and what happened is I just said that I can't really work in this environment. Uh, and then he ended up, after I left, he fired. So we had a total of like nine managers in the district. Um, I left and then he fired six other managers the week that I left and just replaced them with his friends. So that oh, kind of wow. tells you a little bit about him. Um, I won't say like his name or anything, obviously, but like he was just not the, the best individual to work with, in my opinion. Now we've all had those, of course. But um, and then I just decided, you know what, like it's time to start my own business. I've been wanting to start the business that I have now since I was like 16. Um, and I never had the courage to do it until I turned, yeah, about like 2021. Um, just because I, I'm not from an entrepreneur background, like, you know, my family aren't like entrepreneurs from like, you know, grinding every day and stuff like that. They're, they were the ones that told me about go to college, get a job, do all that type of stuff. And like, that's, there's no problem with that. That is more like, that'll make so many people happy if they do that. And they're like, their lives will be amazing. I just know for me, that wasn't the path. Um, so and I was in college at the same time too. So I realized I was like, okay, I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to stop college and because I don't need it to do what I do. I already have the like marketing expertise. Um, and then I started my own thing and it was nerve wracking. Like I was so scared because like I don't have any money coming in and I need to like do something like ASAP. But then I realized I'm like, okay, I've been working on this skill for a while. I don't have anything to back it up yet. <laughs> so I was also kind of scared because I'd done like free work for people and it, it worked out, but I didn't have like case studies or anything from them. They just basically like, it was just word of mouth. They were like, oh yeah, it was great. But I'm like, I don't have any proof. So then I did more free work for a couple clients and then uh, they got fantastic results within like about three weeks or so. Um, and then I started getting more case studies and then it was super easy to just bring case studies to new clients and be like, hey, I worked with this, 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 and this, and we all got like amazing results. And then they're just like, sign me up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, starting your own business is extremely nerve wracking when you have no idea what you're doing and you're a young person, especially um, because you just feel like naive and you don't know what to do. Like it was to the point where I had to learn all the accounting. I had to learn all the legal work. I had to learn all of like, you know, like <laughs> it, it, like it was, it was a bit overwhelming and I got really stressed out um, because especially like the legal stuff, like having to have like lawyers review proper service agreements and stuff. I'm mm. just, it gave me like a headache um, and even the account, accounting stuff. But now I have people that like, you know, take care of that. <laughs> so like we're, we're good. Um, 
But well, I mean, that's a good that's a good point too. I mean, uh, you know, we were talking about like, you know, why why don't I film the podcast and mm. whatnot? And and I work in TV as, as my day job, but yeah. I I guess I'm of the mindset, and maybe that's toxic. Maybe it's something I need to. Uh, get rid of, but I'm of the mindset that if I'm doing something, I need to do every single step. Um, Mm. but, and you can speak to that too. It's just like, that's not really a successful route to go. Mm. You're just going to burn out. Yeah, no, it was burning me out. Like I had to track all my expenses and accounting stuff like that in like QuickBooks. And then I was making sure like going through, like, uh, I had my agreements checked by like three different lawyers. Cause like, I was really like making sure that everything was like on point for the type of clients I was working with. And after a while, I was like, dude, I just cannot do all of this. So then eventually I was like, you know what? I'm going to pay the money. (laughs) It's worth it. I'm going to pay for the convenience and get people to like take care of it for me. And then now it's like amazing because, you know, people talk about how when you want to have a business or do pretty much anything like that you're passionate about, like work on your expertise and just like outsource or delegate the rest. Like if it's not your strong suit, like don't really focus on it. Try and develop your weakness a little bit so you at least understand it because if you outsource or delegate something and you don't know it at least a little bit yourself, you're not gonna know if the other person is doing a good job or not. (laughs) So like you need to know it a little bit. So I knew basic accounting so I could double check stuff. Um, But yeah, like if you wanna be a successful business owner or anything like that, I even know business owners that literally make like millions of dollars a year and they only have a couple staff when they should really have like 20. Like it's that level and they just, because they're too scared to let go of the control. And uh, I think that that's gonna be the down, like it is the downfall of a lot of um, entrepreneurs because it's in our nature to just wanna do everything and like hustle it out. Um, but you have to let go of the control because it's better to have someone someone else do it and not do as great of a job, but like pretty close rather than you getting like burned out on everything. And then eventually you're just gonna do poorly in everything because you're so burned out. Yeah. I mean, shoot, I'm still shocked that you said you're 23. I, you, got the, <laughs> you got the five o'clock shadow going on. Put yep. me to shame, I'm 27. Uh, but shoot, man, that's crazy. No, it's okay. I actually had, um, a major advantage, uh, I think. Um, so I'll brag about this a little bit. Uh, I am an only child and my parents, uh, are a little bit of an older age when they had me. So like, I, um, I give off a little bit of like a more mature vibe as I've been told. This is not something that I've said. I've just had other people tell me be like, yeah, you know, you seem older, um, than like people, people think I'm like 28, like well, all the time. Yeah. I'm sure that's, that's good too. Cause you know, being a younger person, maybe now digitally, it's not so much, but you, you approach company and you tell them how old you are. There's probably a little bit of pause there. Have you experienced that? I have. And it's kind of, it's like double-edged sore because yeah, like, like you said, because I'm younger, they're like, oh, then he knows what he's talking about. You know what I mean? But at the same time, they're like, but also he's younger. (laughs) So we don't know (laughs) if he's talking, what he's talking about. Uh, but yeah, no, like when I actually go through my, um, my, I don't want to call it a presentation because it's not even that like formal, but it's just like, you know, slides about what I'm talking about. Like as I'm having like a normal conversation with the clients, um, they see in like a very short period of time from what I've been told, they're like, wow, no, you, you handled yourself extremely well and you did it in like a very succinct and simple way. And we know exactly what you're going to do. Like when I was talking to this environmental company that I work with now, um, they had no idea about digital at all. Like, mm-hmm. and they, they just started their company three years ago. So they're like a, like a startup, quote unquote, but they don't know anything about digital. They've all been doing it from like referrals and like things like that. And I was like, okay, we got to get you on digital. And I had to have three separate calls with all the board of directors and everything, like on the phone at the same time, um, like the CEO and everything. And then uh, when I explained everything to them, I heard that over and over again. I'm just like, wow, we've, we've, we've had like 
three or four other agencies come in and they couldn't explain it in such a way like you did wow. that like made sense to our particular like niche and everything. And the funny part is I didn't know anything about their niche. Like they tried to explain what I do or what they do, but it's so like chemically complex that like I, ha I still had no idea, but like they basically just told me like a short like sentence of like kind of what they do. And I was like, okay, like I'm going to pretend <laughs> I understand. And I even made a joke. I was like, that's not my expertise, <laughs> but marketing is. So like, I'll, I'll be able to help you guys out the whole point, like to kind of go back to what I was saying earlier with like the principles of yeah. like marketing, like you, like too many people try to complexify it and try to sound smart by making it so complex. It's like, no, 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 simplify it you are just trying to get customers and make money that, that that's marketing that's it like it's not more complex than that so they told me what they do and i'm and then i'm like who would be interested in that and they're like these people i'm like okay let's market to them what's your offer and they're like this and i'm like okay and then we say it we position it this way and then we just perform like we just execute on like the strategy and then they were like wow that was a lot simpler than we thought and i'm like yeah you don't have to have like 80 meetings and like complexify everything like you can just be pretty straightforward nowadays especially because you can get ads out so quickly like in the past you had to take you know 30 years not 30 years but like like three months to like make like a tv commercial and then finally put it out and then see if it works it's like now you don't have to do that you can put it up in facebook ad in 15 minutes and just yeah. test things out and so. you, you could target specific people in those niches exactly and you get like quicker feedback so it's easier to see what's working and what's not um but I don't know if it's true, but I always get freaked out when I, I'm having a conversation with somebody and I'm like, oh, you know, like I'm just the first thing came. I don't have Crocs, but someone's like, oh, I want to get the, those Crocs shoes. And then you look on your phone and there's like an ad for Crocs. Yeah, it's crazy. So they can't prove it. Um, but like a lot of people think Facebook and Instagram because they have through access your, to your microphone. And exactly. And I, I don't know if that's been like proven or not, but. I mean, Facebook tracks like everything. Like I was, uh, I was with someone at a grocery store one time and we walked into the grocery store and she bought a chai tea of this one particular brand that yeah. she like always gets, but she's never looked at them on Instagram. She's never looked at them on Facebook. Actually, she didn't even like get it that much. That was like the fourth time that she bought that chai tea because she just really liked it. And then we walked out and got in my car and literally she had an ad for that tea on her phone. And she's just like, what is this? And I'm just like, Either they listen to you or somehow like because um, a lot of these data brokers, uh, I forget the name of it, like Axiom and things like that, have access to like your credit records and everything. And Facebook at one time had access to all of those. They, they since then have cut off third party uh, connections to all those data brokers, which have made the ads a little bit harder to do, but they still work um, like a lot. But um, I'm like. Is that how they got access to that, or did that brand just happen to advertise to her? Like it's kind of unknown, but yeah, I think I think privacy is an interesting issue that's going on right now in the digital world. So, well, it seems like you touch on many different types of businesses. Mm -hmm. um, so let's just throw a general, you know, let's say I'm opening a restaurant. Mm -hmm. um, like, where can I immediately go wrong? What do I need to do? What what could go wrong? So if you're marketing as a restaurant, uh, the like thing, I have a new trendy midtown restaurant or something. Got it. Okay. So where a lot of people go wrong is they try to do the paper stuff to start. The reason why it, that works, it a hundred percent works, but it's like, you got to realize, so all marketing works. It's just how much and how expensive is it? Right? Yeah. So I could pay a billion dollars to send postcards to the entire planet or not <laughs> probably all of America. I don't know how much, I don't know how much a billion dollars would get me, but, um, that's going to work, but it's like, it's a billion dollars. That's way too much. So it's like the restaurant should use the most effective or like ROI efficient, 
uh, platforms, which are Facebook and Instagram. And then uh, maybe YouTube might be like a third one because uh, you can do YouTube ads to like a local area as well. And YouTube is so popular. And especially, um, you know, even like the the age range of like 30 to 50 is using YouTube a lot now. So like they're going to be watching a video and then they're going to see a YouTube ad for your restaurant. And it's a video of the owner being like, Hey, you should come to my restaurant. It's five minutes away from you. Like, you know what I mean? Just kind of interrupting them for a second. Um, and then just showing them nice videos of like, you know, delicious food and they're definitely gonna come in, but use the platforms that are most ROI efficient, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, uh, Facebook and Instagram are definitely number one. YouTube would be like the third priority. Um, and then so the, the ads that I would stick to for that for a restaurant in particular would be a brand awareness or a traffic ad. A brand awareness ad just shows your ad to as many people as possible within your targeted audience. A traffic ad does the same thing, but all it does is it shows the ad particularly to people on Facebook that click links a lot. So people don't really know the difference between like the marketing objectives on Facebook when you're choosing an ad. And I have a video about that where I go through all of them, but brand awareness and traffic ads are the best one. If you want a lot of link clicks, but you're willing to pay a little bit more do the traffic ad, if you just want as many views as possible, that which I would probably recommend for the, the restaurant just to get everybody to at least know about it, uh, brand awareness ad for sure. And then it's like pennies on the dollar to get like tons of people. Like I ran an ad the other day uh, in the local area, like a 40 mile radius around Sacramento. And I got, I think it was 25,000 people, unique visitor, unique people to see an ad for like $70. Wow. So it's like, <laughs> like that's definitely like the best thing you can do. And then also incentivize sharing. So if you're, um, if you post an ad now, Facebook's kind of weird with the ad copy now, like you're not allowed to use the word share, like share this post in your ad, because then that's like, okay, that's going to mess with our algorithm. So you don't, you want to kind of mess with the words a little bit, but try and incentivize sharing of the post because then that, that uh, makes the ad show to more people on Facebook, like it's positive to their algorithm, but then it's going to get shared to like a lot of different people. And then, um, then you collect all their information and you follow up with like an email sequence or a text sequence after that. So by the time they go to your website, collect a coupon or, you know, however you want to get their information or like get the, like get them to claim a voucher for a free dessert or something like that. Now you have their information, you can add it to your database and you can retarget them later with ads that are cheaper. And then also, yeah, follow up with like emails and texts, but you just want to bombard them with like a lot of stuff. <laughs> but do you, do yeah. you, oh, I'm sorry to cut you off. Do you ever recommend like a newsletter for a company? Oh man. So this is a tough one. Uh, a lot of people always think that they have to do the email newsletter. Email open rates are like 20% now or something like that. So they're yeah, so low that, that sounds like about accurate. <laughs> I recommend no. Um, if you do already have an email list, what I would do is this is what I recommend to my clients post content on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, you know, all the different platforms, blog articles on your website, and then put that in your newsletter, make that your newsletter, just a, a, a weekly summary of all the content like and offers and yeah. things you have out, but not like a newsletter necessarily. Cause that sounds so like 1990 <laughs> or something like that. So it's like, you can still do emails, but what I'd recommend even better than that is to upload your email list into Facebook to do, or, uh, and Instagram, because Facebook and Instagram are under the same ads manager, but upload your email list in there because you own that data and you can do retargeting ads just to that list. So if you have a list of a thousand people that live in the area, you upload that to Facebook and you say, just show ads to those Facebook accounts that are connected to those emails. And then you can literally like retargeting ads are much cheaper because Facebook is being a, like way more specific with who they're showing it to. Um, well, that kind of varies and depends, but usually retargeting ads are cheaper. And then you just show it to that instead of emailing them. And a lot more people are going to see it if you do retargeting ads as opposed to emailing them because it's probably going to go to the spam folder or they're just not going to read it because people like you see those people with like 10,000 emails in their in their email inbox. And it's just like they're not going to see your email. You know? Yeah, right. So 
Uh, and I, so you also, I think you, you brought this up earlier. You do a, is it a live stream or just a, a video on your YouTube channel? So um, I mostly do videos. I probably want to get into live streams more because it is positive on the Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube algorithm. Okay. But I have a video about marketing objectives uh, on Facebook. I have how to run a lead generation ad. I walk you through the entire thing in 13 minutes. Um, I have a video on how to do cold traffic targeting. I probably want to make one for warm traffic targeting as well, like retargeting. Uh, and like uh, data you already own. But I have a lot of like Facebook and Instagram stuff on there. I have some Google search ones on like keyword match types and like how to, you know, do proper keyword research and things. But I have a lot of informational videos on my YouTube and then you watch that and that's kind of like the teaser and the preview so you kind of understand what I'm doing. Um, and then some people like uh, if, like if they can't afford my services or like, you know, if they can't work with any marketing person because they're like a starting business, I'll just send them my videos. And I'm like, you know what? Call me in like six months <laughs> when you've used these and you've kind of learned it yourself and you want to pass it off because you don't have enough time. Um, so that's kind of why I make the YouTube videos is to to help people out. And then eventually, like I have this guy, um, Kevin, which he was like, yeah, I watch your YouTube videos and I like got a little bit of success and, you know, like we've been doing it for like a month now or whatever. And then eventually, uh, once I get to a certain amount of clients, I'm just going to pass off the work to you. And I was like, perfect. That's exactly what we're trying to do. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'll be sure to check that out one and then uh, link it in this show notes as well. For sure. I appreciate it. Well, one particular section that I ask all my guests um, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. Mm -hmm. You're on the Capital Success Podcast. Mm -hmm. What is your secret to success? Ooh, man. Okay. So uh, we uh, before the podcast actually started, we were talking about like personal development and everything a little bit. I think that that stuff is the most important because if your mindset isn't proper, like you're not going to be able to execute on stuff. Like if you're not disciplined enough to do like the work every day, um, you're probably not going to be successful. Um, but a lot of like, you know, these things that a lot of entrepreneurs talk about of like hustle and motivation and discipline and focus and all these things kind of come back to one core thing, which is your identity. Mm -hmm. So this is something that I'm going to talk about a lot more because I don't see a lot of people talking about it, like only a few. And it needs to be like the number one discussion of like entrepreneurship and self-development. Um, so your identity is the, the core of who you are. It determines how you live your life. So if someone has been coddled and comfortable like their entire life, they're not going to be very disciplined because they've never had challenge. They've never had resistance. They've never like had to put in work to get what they want. They just get things handed to them. And those are the people that struggle a lot when they want to start a business because they're not used to putting in work. The people that have been like doing the lemonade stand thing when they were five years old and all these different things, like they know what work is like. So when it comes to building a business, they're like, yeah, that's normal. Like they don't, you know, they don't understand what it's not, what it's like to not work. So I think identity is core and, uh, you know, because it defines who you are, someone who is disciplined, when you ask them like, so like what makes you so like motivated to like get up every day and like go to the gym and do your business and just like do everything like exactly, you know, how you want in life and just like living your passion and they get like confused by the question. They're like, that's, that's just how I am. Like, I don't, like, I don't know any other way. So what I learned by like asking people that question is like, you need to get your core identity on point and then that'll manifest itself outside. Mm -hmm. So if you become more like, uh, you have like a better work ethic and you're more of a proper communicator, all these things that'll manifest on the outside and you'll start getting more clients. You'll start, you know, making more money. You'll start being better at networking, all that different stuff. So I think identity is the number one thing when it comes to success. Also that determines the amount of money that you make. So I, th I think it was uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. 
or no, what was the other one? Um, I think, no, maybe it was that book where he, yeah, he talks about how like your comfortability level of like how much money you can make. So let's say uh, I talk about this on, on like my videos and stuff. If, if someone's parents have made uh, uh, $50,000 a year their entire life, and that's all that they've known, when they start to make more than $50,000 a year, they feel guilty, number one, because they're like, I'm passing up my parents. And second of all, they're just not used to making more than that. So they will self-sabotage and find a way to bring themselves back to $50,000 a year. Everybody Whoa, does interesting. Everybody does self-sabotage in some way. You'll start getting a little bit of success, and if it's out of your comfort zone, you'll bring yourself back down. It's just like a part of the human condition. The other way that is positive about that is if you're too low, like if he starts making $25,000 a year, he's going to kick it into gear and get back to 50 mm-hmm. it, because that's his comfort zone. 25000 is no longer his comfort zone. He's getting to 50 or he or she, you know, whoever. Um, but the thing is, is when people start making too much money, they just find ways to just spend it or like do like whatever with it. Um, and then they can't really succeed more and invest in themselves. And then they ask questions. They're like, I just don't know why I'm successful. And I'm like, what have you been spending money on? And then you look at their bank statement. And it's like, that's why you've been blowing your money. Uh, and, and then I'm like, why are you spending so much money? And they're like, I don't know. And it's like, because you're self-sabotaging that why people do this with relationships. People do this with like everything. Uh, it's just whatever your childhood was and what you're comfortable with, you will stay there unless you're like aware enough to like pick up on that. So that's something that I really focus on. And that's part of like the identity thing as well is what's your current comfortability level and what's your current identity. And are you holding yourself there or are you willing to like expand to like the next level? Um, and then once you graduate to that next level and you stay there for a while, that will be your new comfort zone. And you just have to keep doing that over and over. And it's a hard process because people don't want to face themselves. They don't want to admit that they're wrong because imagine being like, you know, just like throwing out like a random age there. Uh, 35, you're 35 years old and all of a sudden you realize, wow, for the fat, for the past 35 years, I've been doing a lot of things wrong in holding myself at this current level. That's why I haven't achieved my dreams that I wanted to by 35. Um, and then you have to like admit to yourself and kind of like remove your ego for a second and be like, I messed up. I understand that I messed up and now um, I'm going to go ahead and graduate to this next level. But nobody wanted, wants to admit that they messed up because then that's those past 35 years were you waste it or whatever they wanted. I mean, you can right. think of it a billion different ways. I wouldn't think of it like that. It's just a learning process. Like you were just learning through those years and then you finally figured out what you were supposed to do. But identity is a big one, man. It's, it's number one. Um, I think everything in self-development in life comes down to, to your identity. Well, I mean, man, you, you nailed it on that one, <laughs> but I think a part of it too is just, uh, venturing outside of your comfort zone and just trying to do it repeatedly. You yeah. know, I mean, don't, don't be crazy with it. Maybe no, maybe be a little crazy, but don't be. Maybe just don't be like put yourself at harm type of deal. Do but. like you know they talk about um, educated or what, calculated risks, right? Yeah. So it's just like I'm a. So if you've ever taken the four gems test, uh, a lot of people seem to like not know about it, and I feel like a lot of people should take it to better understand their own identity. The four gems test is this uh, test. I don't know who did it, but it puts you in one of four categories. Uh, people don't like being categorized that into like such a box like that, but it just is what it is. 
There is Emerald, which is uh, more analytical, facts and figures, detail-oriented. That's me. Um, I'm a prime, and I, I don't know why they have these dumb names for it, like Emerald. Like, I don't really think that means anything, but it is what it is. Uh, Emerald is like, you know, facts and figures oriented. That's me. That's my primary. My secondary is Ruby, which is like a go-getter, kind of more like competitive, like wants to make things happen. Um, they're a little bit more like organized and things like that too. And they're just like, they, they just go after stuff. They're a hustler. The other side is Pearl. Uh, like the opposite of Ruby is Pearl, where they're more introverted. They're about helping people. They're a little bit more nurturing. They're, they don't want any risk. They're all about security. Um, and then there's the Sapphire, which is the opposite of the Emerald, which is like all about fun and networking and communicating, uh, communicating with people, having parties. And they're usually kind of like the Pearls and the Sapphires are a little bit more messy. They're a little bit more unorganized. They're just kind of more people, people. Um, now, if you figure out which one's your primary and which one's your secondary, you'll understand what you need to be doing. So one of my friends, he figured out that he is a uh, Sapphire Ruby. And he's not very detail oriented or organized. And he's like, I don't know why, like my time management and like this and like it's it's just not working out. And I was like, Well, dude, your your weakness is like time management and organize like organization. So if you get that handled, you'll be fine. And then he got that handled and now he's like like he's like compounding success like very quickly. So if you figure that out, like I, when I figured out that my strengths are like detail oriented or uh, detail orientedness and like just competitiveness and like going after stuff. I realized that my strong suit wasn't people like I'm not naturally a good networker. So I mm. really had to work on that and like my communication skills like I'm more uh, it might not sound like it. I don't know, but I'm actually really introverted. Um, I've been really introverted for like a while, but I know how to turn on my extroverted mode. Um, so then I had to learn that with like the sales jobs and stuff. And then it really helped me to kind of round out my personality. Um, it's definitely helped me in business, but find out what your strong suits are, your weaknesses are, try and develop your weaknesses if you can, if it's just not coming to you naturally, just delegate it or outsource it. Like I said earlier. Um, and then the second question I always ask, are there any routines that you stick to that keep you on that, that right path? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would say mine is like pretty basic. Uh, make sure to drink a full glass of water in the morning. Um, make sure to meditate if you can. I know it sounds, uh, for lack of a better word, a little hippie for some people, but uh, trust me, it's not. It's definitely good to get present to the moment because when you're an entrepreneur, um, you have a lot of overwhelming thoughts and stresses. So the more present you can get, the more happy you will be and the better uh, you will perform. You won't get sick. You'll be less stressed out uh, and you'll be able to just connect with people um, easier. So I try to like meditate for like a few minutes, uh, especially because right in the morning, like literally the second I wake up, I'm stressed out like immediately. So I have to like, because I'm just thinking about everything. So I have to calm down and be like, okay, we're going to have a good day today. Just get present. Don't think about anything. Um, and I like while I'm drinking my water. And then after that, I just like, you know, check emails, like, you know, maintenance stuff, see like what's going on, reply to like text messages and stuff. And then um, I usually try to get uh, at least 15 minutes of sun because now since we're inside all day, everybody's on their phones 24-7. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are lacking. Maybe not today, though, when it's 107. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I don't want to go outside at 107. Like, it's just it's too much for me. Uh, but get outside for at least 15 minutes to absorb um, vitamin D because a lot of people are lacking in that. And that'll make you uh, unhappy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you'll start to get depressed if you don't get sunlight. So you definitely need that. And then um, just like try and be like grateful about stuff like, you know, we a lot of people, you know, think about their problems in the morning and it's just like, no, like save that for a little bit later. Like think about what you're grateful for in the morning. So you started off right. Um, and I mean, you know, me and you like we live in, in an amazing place, Sacramento. It's just yeah. like, you know, what is there to not be grateful for? Like at this point, um, exactly. For, try and find something no matter what it is. For sure. 
Well, I mean, you're talking about Sacramento, and we, we talked about this in the beginning too, but you could do what you do anywhere. True. Why? And I know you're from here. Um, why, why stay in Sac? So, like I said earlier, I think Sacramento is the next, like, it's, it's on the come up. Like, it's going to be, or it is next up. Um, it's so close to Lake Tahoe. It's so close to the bay. Um, it's a short flight to yeah. even, like, L.A. or Vegas. That's, all, that's or always like been any, the pitch, though. But it's, yeah. it's, it should be what's, what's there, too. Right. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, that's the thing. Sacramento, I can tell, is developing so quickly. Like, yeah, it is. Or even like the downtown scene is becoming way cooler. Like, there's way more stuff to do. Um, I think that there's a, a huge community of entrepreneurs that are coming up in Sacramento. I'm actually in a group of uh, 20 to, or I think it might even be like 25, maybe 30 people. Um, it's an entrepreneur group that was like just started like a month ago, and it has some of like the top entrepreneurs like in Sacramento. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like so happy like I actually got accepted to it. Um, but super fun. They're all like killing it. Some of them are making you know like like, uh, you know, 50 K, some of them are making millions of dollars. Some of them have eight figure businesses. It's like, it's kind of all over the place and it's really good to connect with those people and make sure, or, uh, like they, they, they want to make sure that you're also successful because they all want to bring up the other Sacramento entrepreneurs just so we have this like community that we're building. But I think, I think SAC is like the perfect spot. Um, it does get a little bit too hot here (laughs) sometimes during the summer, like one Oh seven. It's just like, that's crazy. But at least we're not in like Arizona or something like that where it gets like, I don't know, could could be a little worse. Right. (laughs) You're cooking outside. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just like sack too much when I really like thought about it. I was like, this place is the center of a lot of, um, it's going to be the center of a lot of growth and it's already growing so quickly that I want to stay here and be able to like reap the rewards of that in like five years when it's like the next coolest city. You know yeah, I mean? for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Man. Hey, what a great interview. Thank you so much, Eric, for coming on the podcast and explaining what you do. Very insightful. And I look forward to having you on again in the future. Absolutely. And then uh, is it okay if I do a shameless plug? <laughs> Absolutely. Go for it. <laughs> for sure. So, um, I make uh, YouTube videos on YouTube under my name. It's just Eric Rebello. You can search me on there. Um, I have an Instagram, which is Eric J uh, Rebello, just the letter J, um, where I just repost content from my YouTube on there and make some some Instagram stories as well. Um, and then I have content on like Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that. But I mainly stick to um, to YouTube, Instagram, and LinkedIn. My same name on LinkedIn as well. But uh, yeah, no, Lawrence, I appreciate you having me on. Like, this is a super awesome podcast. Uh, We talked about a lot of cool stuff. I got a lot of the information out there that I feel like a lot of people need to know, especially about like identity and just marketing in general. If you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. I'll answer all your questions. I'll try and get back to you as soon as possible in like DMs or comments or anything. And then uh, share this podcast as well, because Lawrence is looking for uh, for people to be on here. And I definitely want to, you know, see if I can connect with some of the other guests as well. Um, But yeah, it was a super fun experience. Definitely. Thanks so much. Appreciate it.